Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Christ Church Medicine, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. Hi. You may be seated. Um, my name is Scott, and uh, I wasn't supposed to be here this morning, so uh, like Caitlin said at the beginning, I, this has been a bizarre morning for me. I, uh, a couple folks in my family came down with a sickness yesterday that just made me uncomfortable, and I went and got tested and was hoping that I would get my test back uh, before today, but because I didn't, I was uncomfortable coming, and then at 10 a.m., I got my negative test back, and so I was like, boom! Um, y'all would have heard me preaching from like a video through the speakers. It wouldn't have been as good. And then for those of you on the live stream, it's more cohesive. So I'm so glad. I just wanted to be here. I was dying. I was like, ah. So I got my negative test. But thank you so much to Caitlin and Randy and everybody else who did such an awesome job uh, working with the service up until now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that just as John bore witness to Jesus Christ, that this morning, Lord, in this uh, wild week that we've had, the Holy Spirit would come and would bear witness to the living Christ in this room right now. For those of us who are watching from the live stream in our living rooms, basements, kitchens, bedrooms, Lord, that you would hover over, over us as we are watching the live stream. For those of us in this room right now, that you would come and manifest yourself in our midst. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to you on the live stream. Okay, so we, uh, we've been in... Uh, the seasons of Advent and Christmas tide, and we're coming out of those into the season of Epiphany. And a figure who looms really large in the seasons of Advent and Christmas tide is Mary. And uh, one of the cool things we often talk about Mary is, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, Mary is pictured as this person who's kind of an icon of the Christian life. She's like a picture of what it looks like to be a Christian. And particularly in the Gospel of Luke, she uh, the picture you get of Mary is she's someone who is so open uh, and submitted to God's will and to God's grace. She has such amazing faith and openness to God to the point that she bears God, uh, which is why the church has historically given Mary the title Theotokos, which means God-bearer. Um, and obviously, Mary's experience is really unique. Um, I also think there's so much that's really uniquely and beautifully feminine about Mary's experience, and yet we are meant to see in Mary a picture of what it looks like to be a Christian. She's like the first Christian. Are we not all called to be servants of the Lord uh, who open ourselves up to the will of God? Are we not all called with the sending of the Holy Spirit to be God-bearers because our bodies become temples of the Holy Spirit? So Mary is this amazing picture for us, and as it is with Mary, so it is with John the Baptist. If you're new to the, to the Bible, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke begin with the Nativity, but John and Mark actually just begin with John the Baptist. Crazy, uh, hair, hairy, 
locust-eating crazy cousin John. And as it is with Mary, so it is with John. John is this picture. um, He's an icon of the Christian life and the Christian witness. Um, So what defines John? If what defines Mary is openness and submission to God's will and his grace, what defines John? Two things, I think, define John, and that is pointing and preparing. Luckily, they both start with P. Pointing and preparing. John prepares the way for people to meet Jesus, and he points at him when he comes on the scene. And that's our focus today, seeing in John's preparing and pointing a visual example of the Christian life. So, um, we're going to start with a little art history lesson here. So turn with me to the front of your bulletin. Where we have an example of John the Baptist from the Eastern tradition and the Western tradition. So on your right side here, and if you're watching on the live stream, you can get one of these on our live stream page. And, uh, encourage you to pull that up now. On the, on the right side, we have an example from uh, an Eastern Orthodox icon painting. This guy, I don't know, I don't speak Russian, so I'd butcher his name, St. Andrei Rublyov, maybe, um, is one of the most famous icon painters in history. This is from the 15th century, and this is a classic case of an icon of John the Baptist. His posture, his body is all deflecting your attention elsewhere. And in Orthodox churches, there will always be an icon of John the Baptist, and right next to it, where he's pointing, would be an icon of Christ. And so it's like as soon as you look at John, you're drawn to where Jesus would be um, in church, which is really cool. On the left-hand side, you have an example of John the Baptist painted in the Western tradition, which is always a little bit more intense, less standardized than in Eastern Orthodox paintings. But he's always, there's always more immediacy, and he's always pointing. Um, You see Jesus in the background, and John's whole posture and body is getting you to go look There he is. And so you can't look at John for long without following his finger to Christ who's coming in the background. Also, just, I don't know if this guy is running or getting up or what, but it looks like he's doing a huge lunge, right? Don't your thighs just get sore looking at his posture there? Um, But the, the whole idea is these pictures of John you get are what we get from the scriptures. He's preparing people, and his whole person is deflecting your attention towards Christ. So grab your Bible. Let's look where this comes from the Gospel of Mark in our reading this morning. Mark 1, if you're in your bulletin, you can go to your Gospel reading. If you've got your Bible, even better. Head to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him. And were being baptized by him in the river Jordan and confessing their sins. You look a little bit further down in verse 7. And he preached saying, after me 
comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the gospel begins with John getting people ready. He does this by telling everyone that someone really special is coming, that they're to open up room for him in their hearts by repenting and being baptized. And the role that John plays in these people's life is he is awakening in them a heavenly anticipation. He's kind of stirring up in these people a spiritual curiosity. Maybe the day before they heard John the Baptist preaching, they were just kind of doing their normal life. But after encountering John, something in them has been awakened, and they're anticipating someone who's coming. He's getting people ready to meet Jesus. And then he points. So Mark doesn't record this, um, but John does. And if you have your Bible, flip to John 1 really quick. If not, just listen. But after John's beautiful prologue in verse 29, this happens. The next day, after John was preaching what we just read, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. So, some of you know this, but this is like that painting where John's pointing. This is the great finger-pointing moment of history. This is when John says, I've been preparing you for someone. Look, that's him. That's the guy. I love how in verse 31 in John 1, uh, John goes on to say, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed which I just think is the most beautiful self-understanding John has. He's saying, my purpose for coming is so that Jesus might be fully revealed. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's how we thought about ourselves? My purpose for being here is so that Jesus can be manifest, which is super cool. So John prepares, John points. And he does his job really well. Because as all people's attention are drawn to John, or sorry, drawn to Jesus, all heaven and earth burst open to bear witness to him in his baptism. This is the great moment that John has been leading people to behold and see. John said, Behold, that's him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then at his baptism, the Father says, You're my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased over Jesus. And this is one of the great epiphany moments. Um, So we're in the season of epiphany. If you're new to the church calendar, this is the season that comes after Christmas. And the word epiphany means something like manifestation or appearance. And we always read this story on this Sunday of the church calendar of Jesus' baptism because Jesus' baptism is one of the great epiphany moments in the Bible when everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at Jesus, it's him. And I love that John plays a role in preparing people leading up to an epiphany Jesus moment. Everybody sees it at his baptism. And as Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit and as the Father speaks over him, where's John? John's like the best man at a wedding. He's still there. He's right to the, to the right of Jesus. Uh, but he's not, he's not the one at center stage. He's kind of faded. And that's exactly where John loves to be. 
From that moment on in the Gospels, all the attention would be on John. And that's as it should be. So, two simple things I want us to just meditate on this morning, which we've kind of already talked about, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into it. John is an icon for the Christian life and for Christian witness. John is an icon for the Christian life and for Christian witness. So first, John is an icon of the Christian life in that he reminds us what this is all about. It's all about meeting the person of Jesus. It's all about personally encountering the Lamb of God. Um, In a second, we're going to talk about imitating John in our personal witness, so becoming prophetic preparers and pointers. But we can't do that without first following the finger of Jesus ourselves. Because you see, Jesus is coming, right? All history and scripture and Christian experience bear witness to this fact that one day the Lord Jesus will come again and we will see him face to face. He the bridegroom, we the bride. Amen? So John reminds us that our Christian life, just like the people he was talking to, is to be spent in preparation for that day. We're opening up highways in our hearts. We're moving whatever we need to move in our hearts to get ready for the Lord Jesus to come so that we are prepared. I love uh, in Advent we prayed this prayer during the Eucharistic prayer where I said this, because you sent your beloved son to redeem us from sin and death to make us heirs in him of everlasting life that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may without Shame or fear, rejoice to behold his appearing. That's what this is all about. We're getting ready for that glorious day. Christian sanctification is preparing. And yet, even though we are waiting for that final day, it is also just as true that we meet and encounter the living Christ today, this morning, this afternoon, this week. Through the words of Jesus, through the sacraments of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. Now, that probably sounds pretty vague. How is that possible? It's like I can see how John would prepare people to meet Jesus in his day. I can see how we're being prepared to actually meet the person of Jesus when he comes. But how does that make sense right now? I don't see Jesus. Uh, I can understand how that's vague. So let me see if I can illustrate this with a story. Some of you know Father Stephen Gautier. He is what we call the canon theologian in our diocese, which is a big fancy Anglican word for a really smart guy who helps us think about the sacraments and theology well. But his parents' love story is one of my favorite ever. Some of you might know it, but this is an amazing story. So his dad uh, was called to go fight in World War II in the European theater, and he was from a small town, and he went to war in Europe. And back in his small town, they started this program with all the girls in town to kind of encourage the boys where they got all the younger women to write the soldiers who were fighting off at war. And this one random girl was assigned to uh, Father Stephen's dad. And they had no previous romantic connection. They were friends, but they, uh, no fling, they kind of just knew each other. That was it. But they started writing each other And as they started writing each other, they started to get to know each other better. He's like in the trenches fighting. And over time, uh, they basically fall in love by letter during the war. And 
they're writing letters, they're going back and forth, and eventually the soldier, Father Stephen's dad, who's at war, proposes by letter to this woman back at home. She says yes, he gets home, and the first thing they do is get married. And that was Father Stephen's parents. That was their story. Even though they were apart, they were growing closer. They were revealing themselves to each other. They absolutely were encountering one another through their letters, right? And then one day they came back, and there was a way that they kind of met each other for the first time, but in truth, they already knew each other. You know what I mean? Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. One day he will come back and we will meet him face to face and we will come together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. But right now, it's like the story of Father Stephen's parents. Jesus says that the scriptures bear witness to Jesus. So if you think of John's pointing finger and his bearing witness, it's like the entire Bible is like one big finger that's pointing you towards the person of Christ to encounter him. The Eucharist, which we celebrate every week, is a place where we encounter the real presence of Jesus in his body and blood, which is why we have our lives revolve around word and sacrament. As we do that, we're encountering him, we're drawing close to him. But of course, our situation goes far beyond Father Stephen's parents because we have the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, Jesus expressly says that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is manifesting in us an epiphany moment of Jesus, that we live with him and walk with him. He ministers Jesus in us. One time I was talking with somebody at our church uh, about their conversions experience, and he said, you know, I was all over the place and I didn't have the vocabulary to describe what was happening but the first time that I met the Lord and tasted of the Holy Spirit, it just felt like Jesus was all inside me. And Jesus was all over me. And Jesus was coming out of me towards other people in love. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's like he's not here, but I know him somehow. So when we talk about meeting Jesus, we're not being hypothetical. When we look at John and he's like, it's all about him. That's for us right now, to follow his finger to meet the living Christ. Church, our gathering together in word and sacrament in the unity of the Holy Spirit is intended to be an epiphany moment every single week. That's what we're doing. It's a theater in which the living Christ shows up every single week. So you should think as you're preparing to come to church or watch the live stream, you're getting ready, you're brushing your teeth, you're showering in the morning, you should be thinking, prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. Hallelujah. I get to encounter him this morning. I'm speaking of what church is intended to be, not necessarily what it always is because it's easy for us to veer off course and make church about other things, and I actually think that's a huge ministry of John the Baptist, is he's prophetically calling people back to what it's all about. And I just gotta say, personally, as a pastor, I am more excited than ever to be committed as Christ Church Madison to our church and our worship together 
being a theater in which epiphany moments of Jesus happen. Amen? I'm so excited about participating in something where we encounter the living Christ. Have you ever met Jesus? This is true of church, but it's also true of our personal prayer lives, our personal walks, keeping in step with the Spirit of God, our fellowship together. When I talk about meeting Jesus and actually knowing him, having that experience that John is pointing us to, does that sound foreign to you or have you ever met Jesus? If you want to, to start it, it's pretty simple. Uh, John calls people to confess their sins and to turn to the Lord. Repentance and confession is thinking, man, what is, is there anything in the highway of the, my heart that's keeping me from communing with Jesus that I need to get out of the way? And then you put yourself in the way of Jesus like we love to talk about at Christ Church. Put yourself in. Let your life revolve around word and sacrament where Jesus is showing up, these epiphany moments in our everyday lives. John's an icon of the Christian life. This is what this is all about. Where we have forgotten it, may we remember it. May John remind us. He's also an icon for Christian witness. When you see these works of art, look back at these paintings. This is you. That's you. Maybe not as hairy. Again, I said for Mary's meant for everybody, but so is John meant for everybody. This is what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. You're a pointer. You're a preparer. This week has been insane. Amen? This year's been insane. And I'm talking about 2021. Out of like nine days, a good chunk of them have been insane. You know what America needs? Somebody to do this. Amen? That's easy. All you have to do is point. You know what it looks like to be a parent, for those of you who are parents? That. Successful parenting is just preparing the way for your kids to meet Jesus and just pointing to him. It's what it looks like to be a coworker a daughter, a friend, a neighbor, to be a pointer. You're sent by God to be someone who awakens in those around you a heavenly curiosity, a spiritual anticipation. Man, before I met Charlie, I was just kind of doing my life, but now I'm, I'm kind of curious I'm interested in who this Jesus person is that Charlie cares about. By the way, I'm talking about Charlie right here. Randomly picking on the only person on stage. I couldn't have done that from my church office via recording. But now that I met Charlie, I'm curious. Something has been awakened in me where I'm actually kind of, I want to know about who Charlie's pointing to. How simple, how beautiful is that calling um, how stress-free, we put so much pressure on ourselves sometimes that we have to be uh, perfect or amazing or eloquent or influential or brilliant. Um, no, you don't. You just have to be a pointer. 
You're the best man. You're the maid of honor. Sadly, though, isn't it true that uh, sometimes that's easier said than done because we really do love center stage. Sometimes it's not easy to be John um, because we do like the attention or we do love to put ourselves at the center. And let me give you a story um, where I experienced this. I remember when I was in my 20s, I did youth ministry. And I spent about four years pouring into the same teenagers, about 12 teenagers. And they were crazy, and they were far from God, and I loved them to death, and they were all over the place. And it felt like I worked a full-time job for years and never got paid a dime and saw little fruit. <laughs> but over the years, I, saw, I started to see some seeds kind of planting and, and bearing fruit. And I, we were at a summer camp. And I had all my crew there, and all these people were in an auditorium that was bigger than this, and it got around to testimony night, where they were passing a mic around where people could give a testimony. And one of my guys raised his hand to give a testimony. And I was like, <gasps> and immediately I got super tense and excited, because I was like, oh my gosh, one of my guys is going to give a testimony. And I was just replaying all the years of me, you know, pouring into this guy's life and just thinking about what he was going to say, and the mic gets to him, and I, you know, try to act like I'm not really bothered about what's happening or what he's going to say, you know, but I'm just ready to hear him start talking about all that I'd done for him. Um, and he says, he gets the mic, and he goes, you know, I was super messed up. I, I lived in darkness. I was making bad decisions. I was all over the place. My life was a train wreck, you know, and I'm just waiting. And then he said, and then I met Jesus, and everything changed. And to my great shame, my heart sunk. And I realized two things in that moment. First, I wanted him to say my name. Then I met Scott, and everything changed. And then in a millisecond, I also knew that meant in that moment, I cared more about my glory than Jesus' glory, if you know what I mean. He said, then I met Jesus, and that's exactly what he should have said. Now, John the Baptist was a sinner like us, um, but I, I feel like one of the reasons why Jesus said that John is, he says later, the greatest person born of woman, uh, why Jesus loves John so much is John was so quick to get out of the way. And this is something I think we can learn here. Uh, think about what John had going for him. So, like, all Israel was going out to John. John was trending. He was the hot thing. Everybody was going to be baptized by him. And in our day and age, it's like, John, let's capitalize on this. Like, let's build your brand, you know? Let's get John some skinny jeans and, like, uh, a good Instagram account. Like, come on. Like, start, start building on this trending nature. Uh, but then Jesus comes on the scene, and he just loves the fact that all the attention goes to Jesus. In fact, later on, after Jesus gets baptized, Jesus starts baptizing everyone, and all, everybody goes to him. And John's disciples come back to John and say, John, teacher, everybody used to come to you to be baptized, but now they're going to Jesus. Kind of like, that's a problem. And that's when John famously says, oh, no, that's the point. He must increase, I must decrease. John's like, that's exactly how it should be. It's amazing. So it's all about Jesus, amen? All of this is a theater in which we encounter the living God. If it's not about that, we need to repent and course correct. Your life as a witness is being a pointer. It's pretty simple. 
is being a preparer. What a great reminder. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that any way that we have, just even leading up to our confession, any, any way that our church life or our Christian life has become about something else other than meeting you and communing with you, Lord, that you would reveal that to us and that we would course correct. And God, we ask for an epiphany. We want to encounter you. Lord, send your Holy Spirit for the rest of this service, for those of us who are watching, for those of us who are here, and in the rest of this week, that we might live and walk and know the living God personally. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.